Hi there, Catsuit. Hi there, Nookie. Wait, I wasn't expecting you right now. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to stop by and tell everyone about our event coming up Valentine's weekend. You mean the three-day education and social event focusing in on dating and relationships for kinky folks called the Kinky Dating Something Something and Love Blah 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 event? We've got great speakers lined up, including me. Yeah, also Lexi Silver, Zach Budd, Unruly Nerd Girl, and I'll even be presenting a four-hour workshop. Don't worry, it's in two parts about how to defuckify your dating and create a profile and a life that weeds out what you don't want and attracts what you do. Registration is open now. And the first 500 people get in free, so don't hesitate. Get registered at datingkinky.com slash dating dash love dash event. It's a great opportunity to learn from the people you love about the people you hope to love. I know it's on my Valentine's Day calendar. Chocolates are optional. The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. It's kinky done differently. women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun conversation about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy. With questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host. Hi there, Catsuit. Well, hello there, Nookie. And welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, a look into the beginning of traditional and non-traditional relationships from first impression to the messaging that finally wins people over. I'm John, otherwise known as Hi There Catsuit, and three weeks in, we have already learned a lot about what women and other wonderful humans want. Today, we visit with two women who enjoy their kink, but also enjoy their relationships and will share their stories of what makes great communication work. This week, it's Kate Sloan and Daphne Matthews. Kate Sloan is a writer, podcaster, and storyteller who specializes in kink, sex, and relationships. Her award-winning sex blog, girlyjuice.net, has been going strong for nearly a decade. And her writing has appeared in publications like Cosmopolitan, Teen Vogue, and Glamour. She co-hosts the acclaimed podcast, her introductory kink book, 101 Kinky Things That Even You Can Do, is forthcoming in 2021. Speaking of books, she's joined by writer Daphne Matthews, a former journalist who's been involved in various BDSM communities since 2006, but it is her lifetime support for Cleveland sports teams that qualifies her as a true masochist. Both are involved in relationships, but both have a lot of experience in receiving messages from men and others trying to get their attention. But who succeeded in capturing the minds of these two word mavens? Let's find out. It's the first five. So it's time now for the first five as Kate Sloan and Daphne Matthews join us. Kate, I will start with you. Best first impression ever. So I started dating a guy from Twitter a few years ago and like he was cute and nice and whatever, but like our first impression was I had tweeted that I no longer had a weed hookup and I really needed one because I use weed for my anxiety and various other things, also recreationally. That's a secret. Um, and I got a DM from this guy who I was like mutuals with, but like didn't really know. And he was like, hey, like if you still need weed, like I'm in Toronto and I, I know a guy. So like, I can totally make that happen for you. And I was like, wow, you know your way into my heart. And we did date for a few months, so good on that guy. <laughs> Daphne, what about your best first impression made towards you? Um, I'm gonna go with my current partner and I met at a game night that friends were having. It was very casual. I think we were playing apples to apples because Cards Against Humanity was not a thing yet. 
and uh, she quoted one of my favorite obscure movie movies that I am usually the one to have to explain to other people. <laughs> like nobody ever brings this up first, and I think I proclaimed love on the spot. What movie was it? I have to know. <laughs> uh, it's called uh, It's called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Okay, I know the play. And it's yeah, it was a play. It's the two minor characters from Hamlet, and it's told from their perspective. And she quoted something about uh, conspiracy of cartographers. And I was, yeah. Yeah, that, that would have gotten me too. <laughs> right. And she's still probably the smartest person I know. So mm, Important. Since both of you identify one is queer, the other one is bisexual, first time you were attracted to a woman? In real life? Yes. Yeah, that's that's an important clarifier because I was about to say Olivia Wilde in the OC circa 2003. Um, my first time was girl interrupted. <laughs> yeah, there's Angelina Jolie. <laughs> Those are they're both like kind of of a type. I like that. Um, mm -hmm. Mine was uh, in grade nine music class. Um, there was this like kind of punk scene kid girl who would kind of flirt with me, and I didn't realize at first that it was flirting, and then I added her on Facebook because we became sort of friends and I saw that she was bi and said it on her profile and I was like oh that makes so much sense and then I started thinking about it I was like oh I guess this is maybe why I get nervous around her so that I have a crush on her um and then we did not end up dating but it was an awakening for me uh one of my first play partners I was very very new in the community in the king community here and she's still one of the best part tops I've had and we we're pretty regular for a while, but it was always a little hard to explain what we were doing. But yeah, that was the first time I went, oh, this wasn't, you know, crushing on someone on a screen anymore. This was a thing. Mm -hmm. First time you fell in love. Mm, it was a boy from OkCupid. And I had not dated any men before. And I was extremely nervous about it because I dated women and non-binary people in high school. And um, we got pretty serious. And after like a month and a half of dating, which I think is pretty short by my standards, he was like, hey, like you don't have to say this back or whatever, but I love you. Um, and I, I was like, I'm not quite feeling it yet, but like, give me, give me a, a little bit. And like two weeks later, I told him I loved him and we were together for three and a half years and he still holds a very special place in my heart. Aside from, you know, there's the times you think you're in love in high school and bullshit. It's probably the first real time with my ex-husband. Fake love, fake love is such a problem for me. I still don't entirely know if I know the difference, but right. it's kind of a spectrum more so than a on-off switch for me, I think. First dick pic you ever received and your reaction to it. Oh my God, I have such a good story. I actually do have such a good story. Um, when I was like a kid, like like 10 or 12 or something, this is bad. I, I went to a tennis camp during the summer. And um, at some point during that summer, I got very curious about adult like dating sites because I'm me and I, I'm a sex nerd and a relationships nerd. And so I joined an adult dating site, but like using fake pictures because I was just curious about like what it was like I didn't really intend on like messaging anybody or meeting up with anybody but so I get a picture or a message from a guy who includes like his dick measurements and some dick pics which like I should say this was not traumatic for me like I this is not like a bad memory for me it's just funny but I clicked through the guy's profile and he was my counselor at tennis camp but he had no idea that he was messaging a kid who <laughs> be taught at camp obviously because my pictures were fake uh and i never told him and uh it still makes me laugh when i think about it wow that's, that's all i could say is wow right yeah i have no idea i know the first one i saw and i was a stunned it was the boy next door i had a there was a window in the hall that happened to look on in on his bedroom <laughs> and of course i was spying and he came in I, it must have been after a shower or something with the towel and dropped it because why not and I just went oh. <laughs> they could scare me and I ran away and I was a kid so 
kicks are a bit shocking first... when you haven't seen one. Right. <laughs> but the first time somebody sent me one, I have no idea. First time you felt the need to have to block someone and why? Oh God, I mean, I've done it hundreds if not thousands of times. Right. Um, I used to post outfit photos on Flickr, like starting when I was probably like 13 or 14. Um, and I would get a lot of people who were creeping me out on there who had fetishes for various things that I would be wearing, corduroy fetishes, tights fetishes. Uh, just like the most random, like any item of clothing I would be wearing, there would be somebody who would find a way to fetishize it. And I would block all those people because it was like 13 or 14. Um, and uh, it was not the most auspicious start to my um, relationship with the kink world, but fortunately I, I got over it. <laughs> Probably my first real boyfriend who turned into super creep locally. Um, so... He wasn't awful to me. He was awful to other people after me. Mm. And yeah, no, we are, we are blocked on all the things now. Good. Good for you. Right. <laughs> Two people getting to know each other, just like we did in high school. Here is seven minutes in heaven. So we moved to seven minutes in heaven where it's kind of like a first date where I'm trying to figure out what you all like and, and what things are good. So uh, Daphne, I'm going to start with you. What are the kinds of things that somebody can plan for a first date with you that would make you go, yes, they really thought about it. Like vanilla date, like normal date? You can do both. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, a little rope, a couple of knives, you know. Otherwise, I, I love movies of all types. So, if, you know, you found like one of my favorites, like old favorites playing on a big screen and said, you know, and planned something around that, then that'd be pretty terrific. Yeah, I, I love movies too. I think my perfect first date involves comedy shows though, because I like I get really nervous and anxious and um, I like that going to a show or a movie um, gives you an opportunity to like not have to speak for a while. Mm -hmm. But then if we are hitting it off, um, which I can sort of judge by like, are they laughing at the same things as me? Like, is the vibe good? Um, then we could go maybe to like a cocktail bar afterward and talk more. Um, but I like to do the show first so that if there's no chance that I want to talk to them more, I can just let them go at the end of the show. Daphne, what's more important, good conversation or good sex? Ooh. Conversation. I'm going to go into writing here. It's, uh, I'd rather know the person. I mean, the, the sex will come after, but I'd rather know, you know, sort of share, get that bond first and that connection. And there yeah. has to be something, some reason I want to move on to the sex part is, and that's going to be, you know, connecting on a lot of other things. Yeah, I, I feel that way as well. And I also kind of think like my first reaction was there won't be good sex if there wasn't good conversation. Right? <laughs> like, cause you need to have good conversation to both like develop that chemistry or I do anyway. And also to like talk about what you want to do like as kinky mm -hmm. people, especially or as queer people, especially like the sex will not be good if you don't talk about it. <laughs> Daphne, what's your love language? Oh God, I have to remember what they are. Um, I know them all. Do you want me to say them? <laughs> oh, a refresher would be terrific. Okay. <laughs> Words of affirmation, physical touch, acts of service, quality time, and gifts. Oh yeah, not necessarily gifts. Um, probably quality time. What was the first one? Words of affirmation, which usually yes. writers like us are, are pretty into. Yeah. Yeah, mine is definitely words um, with physical touch as a second, but like uh, words are the most important thing. I know this because I'm in a long distance relationship, which like really proved it to me because we did not have an opportunity to touch or anything after our first date for a month and had still some of the best sex I've ever had like over the phone and via text. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, like I never thought I could be in a long distance relationship, but a patient, uh, apparently I'm just like a slut for words. So it worked out <laughs> fine. 
Daphne, three things that are guaranteed to make you smile. <laughs> God, again, this is uh, kinky or other vanilla stuff right now. It is uh, Baby Groot, uh, Baby Yoda, <laughs> and... <laughs> Another baby thing. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know why those are the cutest things, but I giggle like a four-year-old when baby Groot does that little dance, so. <laughs> I am Groot. Right? I, yeah, nothing makes me giggle more. Something Star Wars and probably Princess Leia related because Carrie Fisher was the bomb. <laughs> cool. Um, I think for me, puns, they have to be good puns. <laughs> um and musicals and uh i guess maybe for the third one like puns involving musicals <laughs> that's kind of the holy grail <laughs> for me that's a sweet spot there is a twitter called in bed with nikki mm -hmm. and the entire twitter is sexy pictures that are joined by puns <laughs> oh lord and they are some of the funniest things that I have read in a long time. I will try to remember to put the link in the show notes because they're hilarious. And uh, she actually said she'd be a guest on the podcast uh, after oh, a while cool. because she's taking October off, kind of settle back into things. Um, what's one thing that would make you distrust someone, Daphne? Uh, finding out they had lied. Yep. Yep. For sure. Uh, I think uh, hearing them be critical of a woman in their life in a way that doesn't feel justified to me, like talking about an ex uh, in a way where it's like, she was so crazy when like the description of what she actually did doesn't sound that bad to me or talking about your female boss badly or even like a female celebrity. Uh, I'm going to be like, hmm, like, are you masking some misogynistic attitudes under there? Right. What are you thinking about me? Or what are you going to say about me after then? If exactly. Yeah. Last question in this category. Is there any hope for men? <laughs> oh, there is. And I'm, and I'm not talking about men dating you. I'm just talking about men in general. <laughs> As a concept. <laughs> <laughs> there is. I know a couple of good ones. At least one is not American, so I'm, I credit uh, he's Canadian, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that has something to do with it. Canadian men are better, I think, in general. Yeah, I, th I think there's hope for men, but I think men really have to work on their shit. Like, I, I think um, a lot of them are, are stopping at the point of like, well, I don't need to work on self-improvement or unlearning my shitty beliefs because they were taught to me by society. There's nothing I can do. And like, there is stuff you can do. Like we all have to work on our, our like anti-racism and anti-transphobia and all of this kind of stuff all the time. And that includes working on your misogyny. And I think men, a lot of men like expect it to be easy or like only want to do it if it's easy and it's not going to be easy. That's kind of the whole point. And I think that makes a great transition to take us to the good, the bad and the ugly. <laughs> Let's start with a good, Kate. Mm -hmm. What is a message that's come to you that has surprised you enough to make you go, yes, I'm actually going to write back on this one? Oh, gosh. I got a message on OkCupid one time from someone who, it was a very, very sweet message. Like, he commented on things in my profile and um, all the things that I would expect to see in a good first message. But then he mentioned toward the end, he was like, also, I have a fetish for having pies thrown in my face. Um, and I just want to be upfront about that so that you can know that. And like, if that's something you're interested in, like, let me know. And I was so charmed by that because I would so much rather people do that than you get two or three dates in and then they tell you about their thing that you may or may not be okay with. And we never ended up like actually following through on it. But then I, he like found me like years later through Twitter or something because I had mentioned him in some tweet and he was like well unless there's another Toronto area cream pie fetishist I think you're talking about me so we made loose plans to meet up for some pie throwing post-COVID we'll see how it goes it's usually if uh commenting on something I've had a couple people sort of go private message uh to talk about something we've talked about in a group say on FetLife 
and sort of continue the conversation there. And so it's less about my pictures and whatever. And they've clearly, you know, are responding to me as a person and, you know, something that interested them as opposed to pretty boobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kate, what are some of the things that make up a good message? You had mentioned that in the previous answer about the things that make up a good message. What are those things? Yeah, I actually have a whole theory on this. I think there are three elements of a good message. Let's see if I can remember them now, though. Um, <laughs> one of them is I think you should compliment someone on something in their profile. Uh, I don't really like messages that don't contain a compliment because I'm like, okay, I assume you're attracted to me because you're messaging me, but I don't actually know because you didn't say it. Another thing is you should mention something and respond to something that is specifically in their profile, which might be the compliment, like the, there can be some overlap there, but it could also be a question about, you know, their favorite TV show or something that they're wearing in a picture of theirs or whatever, because uh, I have a policy where if there's a, if I receive a message that could have been just copy and pasted to me, I delete it because I just don't care. Like <laughs> if you're not going to put effort into the first message, I have to assume you're not going to put effort into dating me or having sex with me. So not that interested. And the third thing is a question, at least one question, um, because that's just sort of a basic conversational skill. I don't really have anything to say or respond to unless you ask me a question. So if you want to start a conversation with me, which like hopefully is the goal, then probably a question is good. I've never thought about a question. That's very interesting. Daphne? Honestly, just read a damn profile. <laughs> like <laughs> They never do. It's maddening. No. I have plenty of things to talk about. I'm a nerd. I'm a writer. I'm a chocolatier. I, you know, pick one. You're a chocolatier? That's badass. Yes. <laughs> I'm surprised not everybody is asking you about that. I would definitely ask someone about that. I'm not sure that's, that used to be a bigger thing. So I'm not sure that if that's still on the FET profile or not, but mm. I think it's down there somewhere. <laughs> Kate, as the host of two podcasts, you get a chance to tell a lot of stories and hear a lot of stories. What is one story that somebody can tell you that instantly makes you understand that they could be a good person? Hmm. I think a story about uh, like a conflict that they resolved in a healthy way. I mean, that really like communicates integrity to me. Um, and I have some childhood trauma relating to men getting irrationally angry at me. Uh, so I'm very, very hesitant to date anyone who has a temper. So if they demonstrate that they're not going to default to screaming and, you know, using insults and that kind of stuff in a conflict, that's going to make me go, hmm, okay, maybe we can, we can talk more and do more. Admitting to some sort of, I don't want to say weakness, but way that they have changed mm -hmm. that have overcome past bad attitudes god knows i was raised very conservatively and there's plenty that i've had to sort of rethink and hearing somebody else say oh hey i used to be super misogynistic and i used to say this thing and that thing and i've started to listen to more and understand that hey maybe that that wasn't the right way to be and this is how i've evolved interests me i very much Degree. I dated a guy once who was a former pickup artist and I was just like oh my god tell me everything because he had unlearned so many of these like really toxic beliefs and patterns and I was like that's fascinating I need to learn how you did this so I can help other people do it right absolutely I'm curious because I've read both your profiles on fat <laughs> and some of them include some very funny things <laughs> Kate, describe how you would identify yourself. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm a bisexual, queer femme. I'm a feminist. I'm chronically ill. I uh, am submissive-ish. I, I would say I'm like 85% submissive. Um, and what else is important? Uh, I like puns. I really feel like that's core to my identity. I don't know if I've emphasized that enough yet. <laughs> Daphne, you have a t-shirt that you want to make. Oh God. Yeah. That's, I've written that so long ago. 
something masochistic, hedonist, bottom. I don't even remember what all I put on there now. If you'd like me to read it, I can. I am a masochistic, sensationalistic, hedonist. I am bisexual, pansexual, polyamorous, queer, femme, tomboy, slut who likes to flirt. I am spiritually agnostic, pagan, but I am cowardly, but bold, fearless, yet attentive, seeking and curious, yet often complacent and lazy. I can't stand drama queens. I'm an enigmatic pragmatist, and I like to watch. There's yeah. so many good adjectives in there. God, wow, what a piece of writing. <laughs> Kudos. Yeah, that took me a minute. <laughs> so this leads me into the question, if you receive a message that ignores any of those, or basically just doesn't get it, to go back to the words get it, <laughs> what's your reaction? Honestly, I ignore most of them. Yeah, I, I think I tend to ignore most of them if it really seems like they didn't read my profile, uh, as evidenced by me deleting messages that don't specifically reference my profile. Um, yeah, because there's a few things about me that I really, really need someone to know and be okay with if they're going to be in any kind of thing with me, mostly related to illness stuff and also uh, non-monogamy stuff. I mean, that's just sort of basic level. It's not going to work if you don't know that stuff about me. Um, and I would rather get that out of the way before a, a first date. So probably just ignore and delete, honestly. I was on OkCupid for a couple of minutes because why not? <laughs> I gave it a shot and I was very open. I had answered all the questions about being in open relationships and kinky and yada yada. And I had more 0% matches from Christian straight men that I went, why? I just, well, I just wanted to say why? hi, why? <laughs> yeah, explain. My favorite question is what did you think we had in common? I don't know. I like the pictures. Okay, fine. Then we're done. I got one of my favorite like copy and paste messages I ever got was from someone who it was a series of compliments and they were all fairly generic. But one of them was like, and you have a Disney princess nose. And like, I like my nose, but it's big. I don't I don't have a Disney princess nose. Like I just don't. It's I factually do not. So I was like, mm, I'm pretty sure this is fake. And then I like posted about it somewhere. And my friend was like, oh, yeah, I received that exact same message. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had one of those recently, too. I had a picture. I got the supposedly the female submissive side of a couple. And I posted something in the comments about this. And I got a couple people going, oh, yeah, I got the same one. I went, Jesus, I knew it. <laughs> so disappointing. It kind of is. Just write a message. Just write a message. Daphne, I think you have an amazing concept that we talked about just before we started on the show. And that is the fact that when you private message someone, there is consent involved. Can you talk about that? And it's not just about, you know, whether you should be writing or not, even though, and that is on some people's profiles that you need to go to this other person or I'm not accepting new friends i'm not looking for you know at least at the bare minimum look at is this person open to receiving messages you'll usually get that out of the beginning of a profile and then look at actual interests i've had more people i had a guy convinced he was going to turn me into a his slave and i went um there's literally nothing about i'm barely submissive let alone and he was going to you know figure this out and do all these things. And I went, honey, no. <laughs> I said, I've written books about this concept. He's like, well, but you still have things to learn. I went, of course I do, from people who know more than I do. He was not one of them. I always get the people who uh, think that because I'm submissive, I'll want to be called a bad girl, which is very not my brand. Like, I'm a good girl. Uh, and that is what feels good to me. And when I'm told I'm a bad girl, it actually activates old traumas and stuff. So I'm like, no. Um, but I think it's like either a very specific type of dom or like a vanilla person who's really trying hard to talk a big game and, and act like they're kinky because they know that I am. And I'm like, if you knew the first thing about my sexuality, you would never dream of calling me a bad girl. It's so strange. 
talking about sexuality and orientation, have you ever received a message from, I'll say a guy or anyone saying, I can change you because both of you have queer on your profile? Like change your orientation? I've definitely had people mm -hmm. who thought that they could. Because there's a lot of misogynistic guys around. You don't say. And I have heard that story before where, hey, babe, if you just met me, you wouldn't be that way anymore. I've had a couple of guys like imply that because I'm into people of other genders, I can't be that into men or specifically cis men's dicks like to a degree that they're gonna find acceptable and i'm like you have no idea that my enthusiasm for dicks is is a, a bottomless well you have no clue like it <laughs> me being into other you know genders and other genitalia does not deplete that trust me but like if they're gonna you know explain why i shouldn't give them a blowjob then like that's that's their prerogative i guess <laughs> Not specifically that they're going to change me, but they think they're going to force some fetish on me that I don't have. I went through a phase of like literally for a while, every message was trying to get me to lactate. And I think again, they saw the boobs and I went, what on earth? That is nowhere on the profile at all. There is no indication that that's something I would ever want to do. And yes are going to come in and decide, you should do this. Why? <laughs> That's so amazing. You're just like beating off the lactation fetishist with a stick. Like, <laughs> That's hilarious. Literally my favorite message was very early on and he had clearly read the profile because at the time I had included some of my favorite actors and movies and very specifics. And he started out well and he said something about, oh, Jack Lemmon, he, what a class act. Literally the next line was, so are you into lactation? I went, <laughs> what? Okay, but I love Jack Lemmon too. And, and those two sentences being right next to each other are making me think about Jack Lemmon being into lactation fetish, which I'm sure he was not, but <laughs> I'm into that idea. I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe Tony Curtis was into lactation. I don't know these things. Some like it hot, some like it milky. Yes. <laughs> and if he was, I kind of don't want to know. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. But I had whiplash after that. Like, oh, hey, somebody read my, oh, ow, oh, no. no. <laughs> Why? One thing that I have tried to take a lot of time to do a lot of research and have a lot of conversations on is gender identity. Mm -hmm. Because I am a 57-year-old cis male. I didn't grow up with anything but male and female. I barely grew up with homosexual and heterosexual because back then it was so closeted. Tell me uh, in your own words, and I'm gonna start with Kate, mm -hmm. how important is the understanding of gender identity and how much has it made a difference in the way you look at potential partners? It's a really good question. Yeah, I think it's very important because if you're not examining it, you're missing a huge part of what's affecting you and what's influencing you. Even if you're cis, like even if you're very conventionally normatively gendered, like you're, it's, it's good to think about it critically. And I have been blessed enough to have many opportunities to do that because I have been friends with and been partnered with many, many people who are trans and non-binary. Um, and in a few of those cases, like I was the first person they ever came out to, which was honestly like one of the greatest honors of my life. Like that's so amazingly brave. And like, I, I respect that so much. And as a result of those relationships, like I have many, many times thought like, maybe I should look at my own gender again, like just do another check-in and see, am I still, am I still a cis woman? Like, am I still a cis femme woman? Uh, and every time I do that check-in, I do feel like, yes, I am. But also as a result of knowing these folks, I have become more comfortable with the parts of me that are not entirely aligned with that. Like I definitely have days when I wake up feeling kind of butch or kind of boyish and I wanna dress that way and I wanna like do my makeup that way. 
uh, which is a very like <laughs> cis femme thing to say. Like I want to do my makeup to look more like a boy, but um, yeah, I I think that like those moments of like feeling very aware of my current gender and very aware of how I want to express it are really really joyful moments for me. And I think a lot of cis people like write that off. Like I don't have to think about that too much because I'm cis and that's all there is to it. But uh, gender is very complicated, I think, even for people who are cis. So I think it's definitely worth thinking about. And and I definitely have a tendency to like trust people more who have thought about it more, I think. Agreed. I at least acknowledge that there are more than two genders and accept that this is a thing and not weird, not, you know, not using uh, certain terms as derogatory or less than my current partner is agender slash non-binary basically you know and which has made me think a lot more about gender roles in which I already had some but even more so and sort of get deeper into it and most of the people I know are somewhere off of the binary in one way or another so this is part of my everyday life this is a you know most of the people I know so if you can't deal with that if that's an issue then we probably aren't going to go too far I'll share a story with both of you one that I'm quite proud of is that I have had these conversations with my therapist and I think therapy is a wonderful thing I'm very proud of the fact that I do the work and I've gone there and what I have come to discover is that while my physical form is very male, my mindset is very androgynous. Mm -hmm. I tend to think, and many people who have met me tend to think that I think more in a female way than I do a male way. It doesn't have anything to do with my orientation, but it has everything to do with the way I will look at things and perceive things. In my play, obviously, the name Hi There Catsuit, you're going to find that <laughs> I like to wear catsuits and I like to see people wearing catsuits. Does that make me uh, in a feminine mindset when I'm wearing them? Sometimes very much it does. But the fact that I have developed so many good friendships, including ones with a, there's a, a young non-binary in uh, Canada, Fall Bunny, who we have the most amazing conversations and they help me understand a lot more about what non-binary is. Mm -hmm. My play partner, Lee Kitty, who Daphne, you know, um, Lee Kitty was the person that introduced me to what non-binary is and explained to me the process that they go through because while they were born with female parts, they never felt totally that way to the point where it wasn't so much about being female or being male, it was striking the right balance. Mm -hmm. And when they explained that to me, this world of whole new possibilities came into my head to the point where I am now having conversations in my regular work day about making sure you have the right pronouns. When I went on to a group chat today, I put my name, John, he, him. And people were going, why did you do that? I said, because I didn't want anyone to assume and we have new people that are joining the group chat today and I wanted them to know who I was. Mm -hmm. And the reactions I got from other people were, tell me more about this. So I wanted to share that story because I just think it's very fascinating that a guy who grew up back in the 60s and 70s when none of these issues or concerns or celebrations happened that I knew about, that this really is a whole new world for me. 
Yeah, I think it's really, really awesome that you're thinking about that stuff and that you're like actually doing things about it. And like stating your pronouns is a bigger deal than a lot of people realize because not only are you making like cis people think about it more critically and more deeply, but also if there's anybody in that space where you're stating your pronouns who is trans or non-binary or who thinks that they might be, but like hasn't quite started on that journey, um, that's going to make them feel like hopefully safer and more comfortable. And I think that it's uh, perhaps a bigger step than you'll ever actually really know that it is. And for me, it's about not making assumptions mm -hmm. because I look very, it, you can't tell here, um, but there's <laughs> never, you're never going to mistake me for not being a woman. You know, I can go into dressing rooms and public bathrooms and not get stopped. And so stating my pronouns is about, oh, but you shouldn't assume what, just by looking at me, what I'm going to be. I know very femme looking people who use they, mm -hmm. or people who present very masculinely most of the time who use they. And so just seeing parts or, you know, facial hair or whatever shouldn't determine yeah, I, I have a friend who's a trans guy who I've talked to a lot about this stuff. And at one point he asked me, because I was saying like, I think I'm a cis woman. I'm like 98% sure I'm a cis woman. But like sometimes, you know, I have my I have my doubts and I have my, you know, worries about it. Um, and he was like, do you want me to just try some different pronouns for you and like see how that feels for you? And then I said yes. So he was like, my friend Kate is so smart like they're writing a book they're a really good blogger all this stuff and i listened to that and i was like yeah that, that actually doesn't feel good i'm a she her like that's that those are my mm -hmm. pronouns but like i really really appreciated the opportunity to sort of try that out and i just thought that was such a, a beautiful gift for him to give me oh that's wonderful i've definitely played around with it like i love sort of playing around with more masculine clothing and trying to do you know suits and male characters. I used to have much shorter hair until pandemic. And so occasionally <laughs> I would get like in line, I would get a sir until they really looked at me and went, oh, no. That's... But so now I don't know that there's a pronoun that bothers me or like I wouldn't be okay with, but she, her is definitely the best fit. Mm -hmm. I've heard people that have protected their profile in a way that they have written it to try to avoid getting random messages from people, trying with specificity and with other tools to try to keep their inbox down to a minimum. However, <laughs> I do realize that women's inboxes are sometimes unbelievable to think about. Daphne, I will start with you. How out of control is your inbox? Uh, right now it's very in control. I just moved all my pictures to friends only. So they don't have as much to look at. And I suddenly have new followers who good luck with that um, because I'm mostly on FET to flog my writing and um, the occasionally essay, occasional essay. But yeah, it's gone. There's been a dramatic decrease since they can't see boobs. <laughs> Yeah, my inbox is all over the place. They're kind of out of control. Instagram, Twitter, FetLife, OkCupid, Tinder. Uh, and I think it's mostly because I fully am upfront about the fact that I'm a writer who focuses on sex and relationships. And some people misinterpret that as meaning that I am indiscriminately promiscuous and there's nothing wrong with being indiscriminately promiscuous like you do you if that's your thing absolutely it's just that's not who i am and if they had read my profile they would know that i'm actually like pretty shy and anxious and introverted and demisexual and like not really uh not that um but uh my thing that has helped me actually a lot is when people just send me random dms like hey hi uh, you're sexy. You are sexy. <laughs> um, I I sometimes will just be like, what can I help you with? Which I think is such a funny response. <laughs> um, because like sometimes these people are actually like trying to buy nude photos from me, which is something that I do offer. But that is such a small minority of people who are messaging me. Um, but I do like this kind of like, what can I help you with response? Because it's very businessy and it really sets the tone of like, 
you message me like like you know make your case for why I should continue talking to you because otherwise like I've, I'm busy I've got shit to do um and it's been very interesting to see how people will respond to that <laughs> I like that a lot I may have to step may have to borrow that it's great it's such a powerful future. feeling <laughs> Kate may I get a little bit nosy with you yes would you go to one of your social media accounts and open up your DMs and give us a taste of what the first 10 or 15 messages are like? This is actually tough because I, <laughs> this is a secret, but I, I just recently put on my Instagram to close friends only that I am getting married soon. So actually my first <sighs> many, many messages are like just friends being like, congrats. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, okay, I found one that's good. Um, <laughs> this is from someone whose name is Yo-Yo Boy. I don't know why he's called that. I'll never know because I'll never ask him because I don't care. Um, <laughs> he has a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> he's really strung out. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he began our correspondence by saying, looking nice and very beautiful. And then, and then he said this thing, which I really, really love, which basically all these messages from random men could be, he said, send any message to me. <laughs> and I said, why? Because sometimes it just amuses me to get into dialogue with these dudes. And he said, I don't think English is his first language. And I should say that. And I'm not trying to make fun of him for that. But it, it is kind of amusing. Uh, he said, for an entertainment and time pass, will you send you photo? And I said, there are lots of photos of me on my page. We're literally on Instagram, dude. Like you can just go, you can click on my name. It's right there. And he said, that is your photo. You is very beautiful, sexy girl. Uh, and then he replied to an illustration of a vulva I posted with a fire emoji as if he was responding to a selfie. Uh, and I was like, that's an illustration. Uh, <laughs> He said, can you send me sexy photos, please? And I replied with my rates for sending sexy photos. And he said, I have no money. Please send. We are friend. And I said, no, we are not. And he said, then leave, dear. And then I did leave. And that was all that was said between us. <laughs> Daphne, do you have any to share? Oh, I have a few. I feel like as soon as you ask them sort of a direct question like that, usually, whether it's how can I help you? Or I had one who wanted me to in the middle of a work day. Do you want to get lunch? I went, no, I don't know. There's a pandemic and I don't know you. <laughs> and he goes, okay. I said, I'm curious why you thought I would and crickets. I, yeah. Like, I love oh. the question. Why did you message me? Or sometimes even why did you think that was appropriate to say to a complete stranger? And it's very right? funny what they will say if they answer at all. <laughs> right or I had another one. Oh god where was it oh I had somebody recently who my favorite starter anymore has become some what some version of can I ask you a question mm -hmm. go for it this will not end well for you but go for <laughs> it and I had a guy who wanted me to watch him jerk off and I went pay somebody dude said, well it's not this watch porn it's not the same then why are you again why are you asking a complete stranger who again, this, there is no indication on my profile that I get paid to do anything. I have no yeah. issue with people who do get paid to do that sort of thing. Go for it, but pay a pro, not some rando. Yeah. When people do the, can I ask you a question thing? I usually, when I'm annoyed, will say, you just did, which I think is very funny, but they usually don't think it's very amusing. But I mean, it's true. They just did. <laughs> I'm hoping I won't have to ask this question much longer. But in your opinions, and Kate, I will start this with you. <laughs> has COVID created a new kind of pressure when it comes to messages? Meaning, are people feeling emboldened because they realize that chances of meeting aren't very good? Or... Are they feeling more desperate because they realize that chances of meeting aren't very good? 
I think people are being much more transparent about the fact that when they message a random stranger, it's out of some degree of boredom or loneliness or horniness or some combination thereof. Um, I think that there's less people trying to pretend like they just wanted to get to know me or whatever. Um, but I also think in a weird way, there's been like more understanding that we're all gonna take longer to reply to messages right now, which I really appreciate because I think we're all like, you know, when I would go through a depressive spell just in regular life, I would message people and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It took me two or three days to answer this. I've just been like walking through life in a daze. And I feel like we're all kind of there right now. <laughs> like we're all just kind of, you know, clawing our way through the days and it's really hard and so I feel like there's more understanding when I flirt with people online right now that it might be very slow paced it might be very directionless uh, and feel sort of nebulous and feel like flirting purely for flirting sake like with no intention of even like getting together or doing anything um, because of the situation we're in and how we don't know how long it's going to last so there's definitely ups and downs. I think overall for me, it's been good um, because uh, people are just on my level now as like a depressed and anxious person. People are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't answer this for three days. I was like really depressed and anxious looking at the news. I'm like, yeah, I feel you. I was depressed and anxious before I looked at the news and then more so after I looked at it. So it's totally fine. The, there was definitely an uptick for a while and it definitely smelled more of desperation and <laughs> and loneliness and oh my god I just want and uh, more than a couple who want to meet want to play it's like no again when, when there's not a pandemic we need to talk I need to watch I need to know more about you before I do anything with you mid-pandemic there's not a chance in hell <laughs> that I'm <laughs> leaving you know meeting somebody some total stranger for lunch for play for anything yeah, like, are we going to meet for lunch at an outdoor patio? Are you going to wear a mask? Like, and even then, I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't seem worth it to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm barely seeing people I know. And that's yeah, exactly. in you know, ones and twos. Like, yeah. Final question in this segment before we get to talk about some of the things that you all are doing. What is the number one quality in a person that will make you attracted to them? And I'm going to throw out a word here, not knowing if it happens to be one of either of yours, but maybe you haven't thought about it. Vulnerability. Mm. I think my thing is funny and, and like, I, I don't always feel that that's a good way to make a decision about somebody, but it is a way I make decisions about people. And like, what I mean by that is like, I've had relationships with people who were very, very funny, who I thought were absolutely rolling on the ground hilarious, who were very bad for me, um, who were not very nice or just not very compatible with me. Um, and funny is just my weak spot. Like I am a comedy nerd forever. I've been like a, a groupie of my local like improv and stand up people for my entire life. Um, and it's not something I'm always proud of or happy about, but yeah, someone who makes me laugh so hard that my face hurts is probably gonna get into my pants if there's also an element of attraction accompanying that. Funny is very big for me. Funny and intelligent, mm -hmm. which is my current sort of main partner is, yeah, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish that like, someone being kind and treating me well was like a more <laughs> sexy trait to me. Like it is obviously like attractive and like necessary for good relationships, but compared to funny, it is not the thing that makes me go, oh, I need to fuck you like today. Um, <laughs> and I wish that it was. Hey, it's John, AKA hi there, Katsuit. And I wanted to take a short break from the conversation to let you know what we've got coming up in the upcoming weeks. 
right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. On election day, we'll have a conversation between two sadomasochists. I just thought it would be appropriate for election day, as we will have the extremely creative duo of Pavlov and Ketchjin Klein. And coming up very soon, we'll be joined by comedian Claire Weber, host of the Bedpost podcast, Aaron Pym, professional dominatrix Lady Vi, a super funny trans woman, Herpaderp, and the wonderfully non-binary Fall Bunny. That's all coming up in the weeks ahead, but we want to hear what you think about us now. So shoot us a message on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, on FET at WWWPodcast. And as always, our email is women and other wonderful humans at gmail.com. This is what women and other wonderful humans want, presented by Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. It's kinky done differently. As we get ready to close this edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, I want to give our guests an opportunity to talk about what they're working on and the things that uh, are making them pretty happy right about now, and also the ways we can get a hold of them. Daphne Matthews, you have a set of books called The Gambler's Series. Tell us about that. I do. It's um, uh, DaphneMatthewsWriter.com. Uh, we'll have them all listed at the top. I also have a blog on there where I have rewritten my first book because it was the first book. <laughs> and it had very much uh, first book problems. Um, so <laughs> I've gotten better. I know the characters better. And I saw where a lot of things could be improved. So that's up for free now. There's a new chapter every week. Um, I also expect to be putting out a novella soon uh, based on that those characters, um, possibly starting a spinoff of one of my favorite uh, more minor characters. But... Yeah, it's all on the site. And those books are available at Amazon, correct? Yes. All right, Miss Girly Juice, Miss Question Box, <laughs> Miss Dildorks. <laughs> Kate Sloan, yeah. tell us what you're up yeah. to. Yeah, so I have a blog uh, that I've been writing for eight and a half years. It's at girlyjuice.net. That's girly with a Y. Um, and it's about, uh, originally it was about sex and sex toys primarily, but now it's kind of also about kink and relationships and fashion and beauty and mental health and writing and just a lot of all, all the things that my brain loves the most. So that's at girlyjuice.net. Uh, I also co-host two podcasts, as you've mentioned. Uh, one of them is called The Dildorks, and it's about sex, dating, and masturbating. And my co-host on that show is my incredibly funny and smart friend, Bex, who makes me laugh my ass off every week. Um, and the other podcast I do, also with someone incredibly funny, um, it's called Question Box. It's currently on hiatus, but there's a backlog of episodes that are all fantastic. And uh, it's the game show podcast of shockingly personal questions. Uh, so we get into some very interesting conversations with folks about uh, their genitals and their families and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, the other thing is that I have a book coming out in fall of 2021. It is called 101 Kinky Things That Even You Can Do. And it's coming out from Lawrence King Publishing. And it's an introduction for beginners or vanilla people or like kinksters who just want to like up their game uh, that contains a lot of ideas about kinky things you can try and like how specifically to try them. Daphne, is there a specific way people can connect with you? Uh, either the website, I have, um, or Fat Life, I'm Daphne24. I can be found. I just, you know, like I said, read a profile. <laughs> <laughs> Please read a profile. <laughs> the love of God or whatever entity you believe in. Yeah. Uh, Where can we find you out there in the great internet? Okay. Yeah. I am on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. You can also email me at kate at katesloan.com if you have something interesting and respectful to say. And if you don't, <laughs> don't email me. <laughs> Daphne, Kate, this has been a wonderful opportunity to get to really meet two wonderful people, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was fun. 
Well, I'm sure you will agree that was a fantastic conversation and it made my job pretty easy. You don't need to hear me ramble when the guests have such great things to share. Over the course of this show, we may get a bit more vanilla at times, and even more importantly, our voices will be quite diverse. I realize that a show presented by Dating Kinky makes one think that it's all about the kink, but in every single case, there's a common thread amongst all women and other wonderful humans. And that begins and ends with respect. That will do it for this week. I'm John, known around here as Hi There Catsuit. Thanking you for being with us for another episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. And as always in closing, we remind you to love each other always. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky Connections and Kinky Education. It's kinky done differently.